0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. This is an encouragement passage. Somebody says, all right, hallelujah, thank God, finally, a." an encouragement passage. First John has been pretty straight. Uh, John shoots pretty straight with folks. And at times for um, Texans, that's kind of harsh. Uh, Some of us, you know, um, Southern hospitality people, uh, we don't Always say what we mean, but John says exactly what he means, and he's been giving us measures by which to measure whether or not we are in Christ, whether or not we are in fact saved. And um, these are not meant to discourage you, but sometimes they can seem kind of harsh. And I like this passage because it's an it's an encouragement passage. It's a passage of encouragement. He just got done in First John chapter four, verses one through three, talking about the spirit of the spirits of the antichrist, basically the replacement. Christ, replacement Jesuses that have gone out into the world and are and are seeking to deceive people and so last week, I taught on who Jesus really is. Um, obviously, we didn't, we, it wasn't comprehensive. Uh, we dipped our toe in that very deep ocean and described a couple of points about who Jesus is. If you're interested, you can listen to that um, on our website. Now, you can watch the video on, on, on our website. But uh, what, 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 what is important to John is that, is that, is that we know who Jesus is. And he says, this is how we can tell the spirit of error from the spirit of truth, the one that confesses the truth about Jesus. Now, just in case you get discouraged, immediately following up that passage to make sure that you don't get discouraged, he, he has these words. You are of God. Somebody say, I am of God. I am of God. If you are a believer in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus... You are of God. He's almost, it's almost as if he's saying, look, I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to fear deception. Uh, now, it's, now, it's true that it's not good to walk through life and just believe anything about Jesus that comes across the radio or that you hear about on YouTube. It's good to know the truth because the truth will set you free. It's, it's good to seek out truth, but I've also experienced the flip side of that, and that is the fear of deception. It's different to to love the truth and to fear deceptions. Those are two different things. John's saying, look, I don't want you to live in fear that you perhaps don't know Jesus, that you perhaps are not of God. And so he immediately follows up a pretty strong passage with some assurance. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? It's It's the spirits of the Antichrist, The lying spirits, the deceiving spirits, you have overcome them. I thought that was interesting. It's an interesting way to approach deception and deceiving spirits. Personally, I feel like I was raised in the church I was brought up in that we were to avoid them. We were to, uh, uh, if, we, if, we, if, we, if we heard them on the radio, we were to turn off the radio. If we saw them on, we didn't have YouTube back in the day, but, you know, we were, we were to avoid deceptive spirits. But John says you've overcome them. You've defeated them, not just dodged them. And so there's a, there's there's an element to John's version of the Christian life that's far more victorious than hiding out away from all the things that are wrong and all the books that are wrong and all the people that are wrong. And, and you know, you don't have to cancel your Facebook and log off because there's just so much deception on there. Uh, the truth of the matter is you can be overcoming. You can be a victorious Christian. He says you have overcome them. It's interesting. He says, you've overcome them. And yet later on down the line, he says, it's because of the spirit of God that is in you. And you see that later on in the verse. So it's interesting how how God and Jesus wins the victory and then calls it our own. (laughs) He says, you have overcome them because he says, he who is in you, that's the spirit of God, is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, those spirits, therefore they speak as of the world. They speak from the world, literally. And the world hears them. We, however, are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. Uh, and this is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He says, you are of God and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So today I wanted to talk to you about uh, greater. What does that word "greater" mean? Uh, the word "greater" is from the original language uh, "megos," where we get our word "mega." So the title of my sermon today is "Mega God." Uh, it is the mega god, the mega-sized god, that that empowers us to overcome spirits of deception. And by the way, spirits of deception—it's not just theological deception. The enemy will lie to you in far more ways than just about your, your poor theology. He'll, he'll lie to you about your past. He'll lie to you about your future. He'll lie to you about what people are thinking about you. He'll lie to you. Uh, uh, if you're, uh, apparently, if you're a married lady, he'll lie to you in your dreams that your husband's doing things with other ladies that he never even thought about doing. And uh, the enemy, <laughs> I'm not talking about any particular lady here at all. It's just an example, just throwing it out there as a possible example. Um, You know, um, totally non-applicable. But you know, but the enemy will lie to you. They're lying spirits, and in fact, I would suggest that's the primary role of the demonic: is to deceive. It is not to torment. The torment is to deceive. The whole, the whole purpose. Of the enemy is to come into your life, to come into the world, to come into Austin, Texas, and begin to deceive. And so, because he is the father of lies, and this is what he does he deceives. But there is victory over him through the mega God that is within you. And so that word "megos" or where we get "mega," uh, when 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 you look in BlueLetterBible.org, which is my favorite little Bible study tool, and you click on that Strong's Concordance and you check it out, there's there's a there there there's a reference to um, it's the it's the it's the uh, arrangement of biblical usage. In, in other words, it tells you the way in which this word is 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 used throughout Scripture, uh, the way it's translated. So this word "megos," by the way, it's the same word that was used in the last uh, in, in chapter three, where he says, "If our heart condemns us, God is greater." That's that word, mega, God is greater. And so there's, there's four different definitions for this word, and those are my four points today. And normally I only get through two points, so I have to go fast, so I got to move quick. All right, so, the, so, so if they could just put it up on the screen for us. This is basically my sermon title right here. These are the four different things. First off is better, wiser, stronger, bigger. God is better, wiser, stronger, bigger. Would you just say those with me? God is better, wiser, stronger, bigger. And it's those four points that, that encompass the word megas. This is what John is talking about, that you and I can have victory over every spirit, demonic spirit, over every deceptive spirit, over every spirit that's trying to deceive us and our culture because the God that within us is better, wiser, stronger, bigger. Alright, so let me talk about the word better. The word better is a valuation word. Specifically, it could also be translated more valuable or wealthier or richer. That God is uh, better means that he's worth more. (laughs) Worth more than what? Worth more than he that is in the world. Worth more than what he that is in the world offers worth more than, 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 than what the world values. And this is what, I, when, when, when a mega God starts, starts growing and making his home within you, you're going to see some value shifts. And this is one way you know that God is in you is when your values begin to shift. In other words, the things that you think are better, the things that are, you think are worth it, the things that you think are worth spending your money on, the things that you think are worth spending your time on, you guys in here on a beautiful Sunday morning, you could be at the lake, you could be on a, you, at the all right, you could be out doing what, like you could be home sleeping in, right? Because for some people, sleep is better. And in fact, I've known people that made their kids stay home from church to study for school because education is better. By the way, parents, don't don't teach your kids all growing up that education is better and then expect them at age 18 to believe that somehow Jesus is better than what their professor is telling them at UT. I'm just saying. Okay, fine. Let's keep going. (laughs) Look, man, education is great, but it's not better than Jesus. You'd be better off to have a kid who can't read but knows the God that is within him. Literally. Or did you not know that 50% of college grads are unemployed? Did nobody tell you that? Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> just after Grad Sunday, I thought I'd mention, I thought I'd just throw it out there that that's this kind of like, because education is great, but education is not everything. Intelligence is great, intelligence is not everything. Jesus, the Spirit of God. Look, David took down Goliath without going to kindergarten. Uh-huh what god does he doesn't need man's teaching and man's approval you look god is better than education he's better than your job he's better than finances he's better than a a fat bank account he's better than a beautiful woman he's better than a than a handsome man for those of you that are interested in that kind of thing he's 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 he's, (laughs) he's better he's better than children He's better than a loved one he's better than than your son or your daughter and the, we, get how we, 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 we fall prey to the deceptive spirits of the enemy when we devalue Jesus and increase value over anything else in our life. Jesus is better than your grief. I know you're hanging on to it. You won't let go of it because it's become your identity, but he's better than your grief. If you'll trade in your garment of heaviness for the spirit of joy, you will find out that Jesus is better. Those spirits are lying to you. They're lying to you and they are devaluing Jesus and they're attempting to lift up the value of your car. I'm preaching to myself now. They're attempting to lift up. But when, when you, but when you find Jesus, you find something better. And I know that seems weird because a lot of times in like Christian culture, we see Jesus as like, well, that's when we gave up all of our fun and decided to follow Jesus. Uh, I gave up, you know, this, and I gave up that, and I gave up those people and stopped hanging out with them. And, and it's all the stuff we've given up. But honestly, coming to Jesus is like giving up a Ford Focus and getting a Dodge Viper. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, just sticking with the same concept. It's like giving up your job inspecting sewers for a winning lottery ticket. Where you'll never have to work again. Giving, like going to, you do give up some stuff. You give up some pain. You give up some bitterness. You give up some anguish. You give up some sleepless nights. You give up some STDs. You give up some heart attacks. You give up some ulcers. You give up some, you give up some stuff. Absolutely. But what you get is love, is joy, is peace, is patience, is kindness, is gentleness. Is long suffering, you get you get you get something that is better, and this something that is better is literally better, actually better, not just like in church better, but in all of life better. Which brings me to my, to my next point. I'm, I'm moving quick. The next point is he, he's 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 better and he's wiser. Actually, the word means older, technically. It's, 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 it's translated older. But I feel like older is, is, is a sense of his, of his wisdom or his perspective. Uh, for instance, in chapter 3, if our heart condemns us, God is wiser and older than our heart. He knows more. His wisdom. I, I, I wish that we could truly believe that God was wiser. If we truly believe that God was wiser than us, We would abandon our way and do things his way. And yet this is what those who have overcome the enemy, those who have overcome he who is of the world, understands that God is wiser than he who is in the world. That God's ways are wiser. Let me just take you down a little road called Proverbs. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, they, 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 they're going to put up on the screen. But these are just some different benefits of wisdom that if you're interested, you just read chapter 1, chapter 2. Ch- just read all of them. Read, read. Every day. If you don't read anything else in the Bible, you would be well to simply read a proverb a day. There's 31 of them. There's 31 days in most months or 30. Uh, a proverb a day, all right, uh, will keep a lot of pain away. <laughs> it will help you out. And because in in, in the whole first few chapters, it's trying to describe the benefits of wisdom. And so he says, for one thing, that it will give you length of days. See that? Length of days and long life and peace it will add to you. Wisdom, the ways of God. You'll find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. (laughs) In other words, you won't be unemployed because you'll find favor in high sight of God and man. He will direct your paths. It'll bring health to your flesh and strength to your bones. There's physical actual health benefits to doing things god's way Uh, also he says your barns i don't know if they have this one your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine new one not the not the fermented one the new wine. all right they're talking like good stuff Uh, proverbs chapter 3 verse 13 says happy is the man who finds wisdom And gains understanding for her proceeds. Wisdom's proceeds are better than the profits of silver. And her gain is better than fine gold. It's more valuable. Well, how can that be? Gold and silver are, you know, pretty darn valuable. She is, it's even better than Bitcoin. (laughs) Just add that in there. Better than, better than, she is more precious than rubies. And all the things, all the things you may desire cannot be compared to wisdom because this is what will happen. Length of days is in her right hand. All your money cannot extend your days, but living by God's ways will extend your days. Length of days, it says, is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. And this isn't even the prosperity gospel. This is just the benefits of, of, of walking and living according to God's ways. Her ways, the, the ways of wisdom, are ways of pleasantness. <laughs> does, anybody, does anybody need that in their life? Let me tell you, have you been living in ways of pleasantness? I've been living in ways of pleasantness. Let me tell you, it's pleasant. <laughs> it's about as... It, it's, it's great. It's, it's so interesting how when we live according to God's ways... They don't seem pleasant at the time because you have to sacrifice some things. You have to give up some things. But they, these are pleasant ways. These are easy ways. Jesus said his yoke was, was easy and his burden was light. And then he says, and all of her paths are peaceful. I know people that are seeking peace in all kinds of ways. And yet if they would just live according to God's standards, according to, God, according to God's ways. Now, this is not even salvation. Proverbs isn't written about how to be saved. Proverbs is written about how to live according to God's perspective in your life. And so, and so this wisdom of God is not just come before Jesus, confess him as Lord, be 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 a Christian, but it is also to find out what he says about finances. Because a lot of us are stressed because of finances and our stress affects our physical health and our emotional health and our physical and emotional affect our spirit. And, and so, and so if, you, if, you, if you read Proverbs, you're going to see some things about finances. For one thing, don't get into debt. Uh, we got real quiet. All of a sudden, nobody's shouting. Nobody's excited about the betterness of Jesus. We're like, well, I kind of need that car. You, well, no, you don't need that car. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I watched Dave Ramsey, and I'm not going to turn into Dave so don't worry. But uh, those of you that know Dave Ramsey, he's like, uh, he's, he's a Christian sort of financial guru. He's been around for eons. I've been listening to him for about 20 years, and I think he was going for about 80 years before that. And, and uh, he has those he has those four baby steps, you know, if any of you listen to him. It's the same steps. It's like, uh, you know, get, get, get a little savings account, have some buffer, blah, 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 the snowball, the debt snowball. Anyway, if you're interested, Google him, check him out. He's got some great things to say. Actually, he sort of ripped off all of his steps from the Bible. Um, because it's all things that the Bible says. But he he kind of gives credit, so it's all good. But he, I, was, I, was, I was watching one of his shows, and he, he had this, this caller call in, and they said, hey, you know, we're doing pretty good. And they listed their finances, how much they were making and how much they had saved and how much they had in their kids' college fund. Their kids were like three years old. They were doing very well, and they were very well prepared. And um, the, 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 I think it's number four step for Dave Ramsey is to pay off your home. And so the guy said, look, I only owe this much on my home. It, wouldn't it be better because my interest rate is low? Wouldn't it be better to take that money? I could pay it off this year, but wouldn't it be better to take that money and invest it in something else? You know, uh, Because I could make more in an investment than I am spending on in the interest rate. Does that make sense? So the math checks out. And Dave said, you know what, you know, we've done all the math and all that kind of thing, but we still say that this process is the best. And he, he gave some pretty good reasons. One reason is that there is the, every single millionaire that they polled, and I forget how many million, American millionaires they, they polled as they put this stuff together. Um, every single millionaire had their house paid off. Um, and, 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 and every single millionaire talked about how when they paid their house off, something shifted inside of them. It's not a mathematical thing. It's not a numbers thing. It's an emotional thing that suddenly the bank couldn't take their house away. And there's a security that comes with that. And I know hardly, probably nobody in this room knows what that feels like. I don't yet. I'm trying. I'm getting there. We're almost there. We got about six years. And then, and then we're going to know what that feels like. And, and, and so, and so he, Dave, Dave was talking about that. He said, you know, uh, there's, just, there's, there's unforeseeable benefits that you wouldn't think about, that you don't know about, you can't know about, you don't know what you don't know, you can't know about until you do it. And I thought, man, if that isn't, I feel like as a pastor, that's what I'm telling people all the time in counseling. Like, I know this doesn't make sense to you, but there are unforeseeable benefits to having that conversation with your wife. There are unforeseeable benefits to, taking, to, to telling your kid he can't do that. There are unforesee,, I'm sorry, I know it's supposed to be encouraging but there are unforeseeable benefits to God's ways. There are unforeseeable benefits to saving sex for marriage. There are unforeseeable benefits to not getting in debt, not co-signing on a loan, not doing the stuff that Proverbs warns about. not because it's sin, necessarily not that anyway but there are unforeseeable benefits god's got this bigger plan he's wiser than you there are unforeseeable benefits to listening to your parents and as a teenager that's that's hard to figure out because you you see that there's not a whole lot of benefits well guess what there are unforeseeable in other words you cannot foresee it you cannot know what it is until you step into it and honestly, you won't even know what it is as you're walking into it. It's not until after you turn around and you say, goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. My path has been pleasant. I have had peace all of my life. My goodness. I, and I can't even explain it. I can't even tell you. In fact, most millionaires, most five, Fortune 500 CEOs cannot tell you why they're successful. They literally can't. The common answer when asked, why are you so successful? They say, luck. <laughs> Which is their version, their secular version of unforeseeable benefits to doing what is right. And most millionaires are incredibly generous. Most uh, uh, Fortune 500 company CEOs give a lot of their income away. And you wouldn't think that because people who aren't rich don't know what it is to be rich. And that's why they never get rich because they don't know the steps to do it. But when you implement generosity in your life, as Proverbs talks about, then you will begin to see the blessings of God. And you'll begin to see that, man, after all these years, I I wouldn't do it any other way. That God's way has been better. That that, That weird blessings just pop up because I strangely know the right question to ask the right person because my values have been aligned to look for that particular thing. And so there's unforeseeable benefits to reading your Bible every day. There's unforeseeable benefits to praying. There's unforeseeable benefits to coming to church. Some people stop coming to church because I didn't get anything out of that today. That you know of. (laughs) But honestly, you know, I mean, uh, there are unforeseeable benefits. There's stuff that's happening in your spirit that's being affected by where you are physically and what you lend your mind and your ear to. There are unforeseeable damages to that music you're listening to. (laughs) I'm not saying it's sin. I'm just saying it's doing stuff that you are not planning on it doing. Those movies that you're watching, they're unforeseeable damages. you You can't know that that'll affect your attitude when you wake up tomorrow morning. There's no way that you can know that. It's unforeseeable. It's it's so interesting. As we walk according to God's plan, we find that his path is pleasant. His paths are paths of peace. It says, I I got off track. Verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Come on, Poppy. And happy, every time you mention trees, you got to mention Poppy. Happy are all who retain her. Then you will walk safely in your way. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, in other words, you don't need more, more self-motivation. You need more obedience to lock in your foot so that your foot doesn't stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. <laughs> I love that. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. <laughs> Somebody needs to claim that for themselves. And your su- sleep will be sweet. How do, I, how do I get that? By living according to God's ways while you're awake. And then you can close your eyes and sleep. Verse 26, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep from being caught. Verse 35, at the end of chapter 3, he says, The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Why? Because God's ways are better. And we overcome the lies of the enemy by trusting in a wiser God. God is, what's the first word? God is better. better? God is, and God is stronger. That's right. He's they're helping you out. This is nice. This is nice. Nice people we got back there in the back. I like it. Uh, he's stronger. He's stronger. In other words, he he's stronger on both sides of the ball. Uh, I'm a football. I, I'm. It, it's coming, just like Jesus. It's it's coming, and it can't come. It can't come quickly enough. Uh, But he's stronger on defense, which means when the enemy rises up like a flood, he will raise up a standard against him that God is capable of defending you from the onslaught of oppression, from the onslaught of, of, of COVID, from the onslaught of fear, from the onslaught of everything that our culture is getting hit with. He's stronger. He can defend you. He can he can stand up for you. He can fight for you and for me. He stands up for me. This is how he delivers me from these spirits. The mega God rises up inside of me, and he stops every mouth that is that that that, that, that is talking about me. He deals with every uh, he, he makes. This is why I don't have to seek vengeance for myself because my God is stronger. I preached a sermon a while back on uh, uh, the umpire, the holy umpire. How God Jesus is like the umpire. And and if you're if you're playing football and if you go up for a catch and, and the guy pass interferences you, right, he pushes you or he messes with you, the, that, that's actually a really good thing. It's really great for there to be a penalty when the when the ref throws his flag on that play, that means you get 15 free yards. You didn't even have to catch it. Like you could, who knows if you would have caught it or not. But if there was pass interference, then you get 15. Like you get, it's like bonus yards. This is how the Detroit Lions moved down the field last year. This is how we, like, we get a pass field. All right, yeah, 15 yards, first down, baby. Uh, that, that punt's gonna go even further. This is, this is great. Uh, I'm sorry, I've been a fan for a long time, and we just we're just a little cynical, um, especially since we got rid of some of our good players this year. But I think I think it's gonna be okay. Uh, anyway, but no, like this is and so and so what but what happens though? That's like in football, we recognize that we're like, oh yeah, pass interference, throw that flag, rep. And, and, and it's great. But in real life, we get up and we, we're more like, uh, who's that dude on the Cowboys? who's always fighting with everybody. Like, we get up and we, get, we take it personal. And we, we, we want to enact just, justice for ourselves. And what happens is we get flagged on the plate. We never get the benefit of, of being persecuted because we stand up for ourselves. And yet David said, I'll let the Lord fight for me. I'll, in fact, when I, get, when I get persecuted, when I'm slighted, when somebody comes against me, the first thing I do is I go to God and say, God, hey, look, look, look. Did you see that? Did you see that? They're like throw the flag, ref. Like, come on. Like, like, like you saw what happened to me. Because God has ways of rewarding you far greater than you can reward yourself. And, it, and tr- plus, it's a path of pleasantness. When you can get pushed down and just get back up and go back to the line. It's a path of peace. When, you, when, you're, when somebody pushes your button and it doesn't send you over the edge. It's a path of peace. Because they push buttons all they want and then you say, Lord, could you do something about this? And he's like, Yeah, you know what? I'll bless you with that bonus. Yeah, I'll bless you. You know, yeah, that department's pretty been been pretty hard on you. Let's let's elevate you and let's have you run that department. Let's have you over that department. Like, God has such incredible ways of taking the guy who was sold out by his brothers, his name Joseph, sold into slavery, and then years, 17 years later, having the brothers come asking him for help, and then he's able to save his entire family because he didn't seek justice for himself. He allowed God to raise him up he allowed God to throw a massive flag on the play and bless him in ways he could not bless himself because he's stronger God's stronger I'm not stronger in fact his strength is made perfect in my weakness so God's not even looking to make us super strong because if we were super strong his strength wouldn't be glorified he wants to flex (laughs) to put in modern context he wants to flex It's his flex. This is the mega God inside of me. It's not me. He wants to show his strength. He wants to show his power. And so he uses weak people. He's the God of the weak. And so he uses weak people because they're available to display his strength and his greatness. So that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Never greater is my plan. Never greater is my willpower. Never greater is my wisdom. But greater is he. He is better better he is wiser he is stronger and he's bigger and so his strength he's able to defend he's also able to execute his play his plan his process no there is no blockage against him there's no stopping him the enemy has no defense against him and every and every attack that the enemy throws at you he's trying to disprove the strength of god He's trying to get you to believe that God is not stronger. He's trying to get you to believe that COVID is stronger. He's trying to get you uh, to believe that poverty is stronger. He's trying to get you to believe that <laughs> loneliness is stronger. Everything, and, and he's looking because look, this is this is the, the spirit realm thrives off of faith. Yes. Both sides. Both sides thrive off of faith. What is faith? Agreement with what is being said. That's what faith is. Faith is agreement with what is being said. And so both angels and demons thrive off of faith. This is why I say that the demonic is actually looking for deception because they're looking. Deception is faith in a lie. They're looking for you to put faith in their lie. And you don't necessarily do that with your mouth. Faith isn't displayed here. It's displayed here in your head. It's displayed here in your belief system. It's displayed here in your life and in your actions and in what you do. This is where faith is played out. And so we can say that God is stronger, but we can live as if the worst thing that could happen to us is and those things, those those blanks, the worst thing never include God leaves my life. It's interesting. It's this person leaves my life. This, 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 this money leaves my life. This, this person gets elected. Uh, this person doesn't get elected. It's, it's interesting. Fill in the blank. And never, it's never that God will disappear. Oh, no, he's with me forever. I know, I know, I know. Well, uh, he's stronger. He's strong. He can enact his plan. And his plan isn't messed up by an election. His plan isn't messed up by a divorce. His plan isn't messed up by a death. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't end his plan. It doesn't change his plan, actually, because he knew what was coming beforehand because, remember, he's wiser. <laughs> and so he's, 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 he's better, he's wiser, he's stronger, and he's bigger. And this is, this is how we make God bigger inside of us, is we lend our faith to him. We put our faith in his word. We put our faith, uh, just, just, uh, just recently, I went over and prayed for someone for their house because they were having some demonic activity in their house. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that. Um, some, yeah, I guess if, 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 you, if, you wanna, if you want to publicly raise your hand, just go ahead and raise your hand if you've ever had any demonic activity in your house, anything weird going on. Yeah, like all around this room. Uh I'm I'm raising my hand because me too. <laughs> um and it's and it's scary. If you've ever had any 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 encounters and I don't seek encounters. I'm not looking for demons under rocks. I I I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not that that I'm not that pastor. Uh we were <laughs> we were uh we were we were uh, a couple weeks ago. We had a visiting pastor and his wife. They came and visited with us. It's a couple that we're sewing into. Roe and I are sewing into, it, and and Art, you guys financially are sewing into to help this pastor in Houston uh, and to serve them. Uh, they they started their church six months before COVID hit, and uh, man, they've been they've been they've been going through it. And so we want to encourage them. We want to bless them. So we went out to eat with them afterward. Uh, they just came up and they brought uh, some of their team with them, and uh, they wanted to see what City Chapel was like and just kind of get some of our culture. And so we went out to eat with them afterward. And he was telling me about this time that he was he was sleeping and uh, like he woke up and something was like like making noise in his room. There was like some rumbling and shaking around. And so he just began like speaking in tongues and like in the, you know the name of Jesus and casting it out. And he was praying and stuff. And and then he heard a voice. And he said, oh, "What what did the voice say? What did he say like?" Something about it's me or it's just me or oh i 'm sorry, anyway, some guy because they, they were they, they, they lived in this this shelter there was like a, it was like a homeless shelter, so one of the the homeless guys I guess got went into the wrong room uh, by mistake, went into their room and was looking for something i don 't know in the dark, and so he 's casting out the homeless guy um, so I, <laughs> Or it's like the one pastor, you know, like the, 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 the dude comes down for prayer and he's like, he's like, all right, how can I pray for you? And the pastor, uh, you know, it's, I just requesting prayer for my hearing. And so the pastor grabs both of his ears and just starts shaking and shouting and you know, the touch healing, touch the blood of the stripes of Jesus, Lord, touch this man's ears, let him hear, open the ears of the deaf and it's shaking him. And then, then he pulls his hands away. he's, He's like, all right, son, how's your hearing now? He said, "I don't know, Pastor. It's uh, Tuesday at noon, so that'll take a minute to get in to soak." That's a joke that just kind of simmers for a while. Um, so I'm not I'm, I'm not necessarily like that. I'm not I'm not always looking for that. But there are times like when uh, to me when a, demon, when a demonic presence in, in, includes a severe sense of fear or panic, a cold almost like in your spirit kind of. Fear, and uh, we were getting ready for uh, to plant City Chapel, and I was up is about two a.m. And I, and I was getting ready to go to bed, and so I, I hop into bed. As soon as I lay down, something crashes in our bathroom, just falls over on the floor, and I and I got that same spirit, that weird sort of sense, the the cold, panic, fear kind of thing. And I sat up, and for me it was so simple because this is this is the thing. Demonic spirits of all kinds, they want faith. What is fear? <laughs> but faith in the wrong thing. I believe that this thing is powerful, and that's why I become fearful. And so I sat up, and, 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 and immediately a scripture came to my mind that I had quoted to the kids earlier. Uh, and I, I don't have it on the screen necessarily, I don't think. Um, but Psalm 34, 7 says, the angel of the Lord yeah, let's, let's not show that just yet. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is a type of Jesus, the angel, not a angel, the angel of the Lord, encamps. In, he, he, in other words, he sets up his tent at night, encamps around, he surrounds me, those who fear him. And I had that scripture in mind. And see, this is what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to get you to question. If Jesus, does Jesus really surround you? Does he really encamp around your apartment or around your house, around your ranch, around your farm? Really? Even, even, even if stuff starts crashing? Even if you feel that sense of fear? Is he, is he really still doing it? Is he really still here? Yes. See, this is the, the, but this is the question. This is the question at 2 a.m. when you sit up that you have to answer. It's easy at uh, 11, 17 on Sunday morning to be like, oh yeah, he's with me in the dark. He's with me in the day. He's when when I get up and when I lay down and when I sleep and so up. Yeah, that's great. But at 2 a.m., when it doesn't seem like he is, this is where faith comes into play. And so, but you got to get scripture inside of you so that you have faith. So that you believe that Jesus does, in fact, encamp around this house. He does, in fact, surround us. And I can tell my kids that. And I can tell my spouse that. And I can tell myself that. That Jesus surrounds this house. And if Jesus is surrounded, do you really think he's going to allow demonic spirits to just walk on in? That's not the Jesus I know. He kicks out money changers. I'm pretty sure evil spirits are they're not They're not allowed. And so I sit up and I just, I just, I had that scripture in my mind and I, and I just said, you've already been defeated. And I just laid down and immediately the fear went, it was just gone. And I just went to sleep and I woke up the next morning and there was nothing on the floor in the bathroom because that punk knocked over my stuff and he had to pick my stuff up and put it back where he found it. Because he does not like he, he, it's not OK. Uh, he doesn't get a closet in my house. He doesn't get anything in my house. I'm not I'm not OK with anything. I'm not OK with any type of oppression, any kind of deception, any kind of uh, uh, male- any, any nightmares. I'm not I'm not good with it. I'm not OK with this. And, and, and because I believe that Jesus surrounds my house. So that spirit has no place in my house. My pastor, uh, Pastor Wright, went on a mission trip one time, and he was preaching. It was in Africa, and him and another minister, uh, these, these, these two men of God were in this hotel room. They had to share the hotel room. They each got their own bed, and uh, they, they, the, the bed of the other minister, they laid down to go to sleep, and the bed started vibrating, shaking, like violently shaking, so much that it was moving it across the floor. And the other pastor's like, what is going on? And so my pastor sat up in bed, and he said, hey, in the name of Jesus, stop that. And it stopped. And he said, and put it back. And it slid across the floor back to where it was. Because this and I'm, you're not trying to be macho, not trying to show your, your power over demons. No, greater is he who is in me. He is greater. I am not afraid. I'm not putting my faith in you. You're not going to get what you want. You're not powerful. You're not, you are defeated. This is what he says. You have overcome them. Therefore, every demonic spirit has already been defeated. And so their attempts to bring fear into your life, whether it's through some spooky thing at your house or some crazy dream or some person or some actual witch who tries to get some stuff going on. Like what I'm concerned about is sometimes Christians dabble in witchcraft in order to get rid of witchcraft. You know what I mean? Like we'll be like, well, you know, we'll we'll leave Christian music on while we're out of the house. Because Caleb, greater is Caleb in you than he who is in the world, right? Caleb, have you heard the songs on Caleb? Like, they couldn't, they cast me out of the house. But they're not, <laughs> sorry. For those of you that like Caleb, I know my wife loves it. They cast me out of her car. Because I'm like, those are the same four chords from the last song, I think. Pretty much, that's the same song. No, it says different words. It's different words, but it's pretty similar, isn't it? Anyway, like, it's, no, and so, or, 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 or like even like we'll go into bedrooms and start looking for like, like, like uh, portals, right? Start looking for portals, looking for a weird stuffed animal or a strange, uh, you know, or burn all of our Metallica CDs, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, you know. but I mean, it, 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 your choice of music is your choice of music. But I'm just saying like it, we become like witches, witches put their faith in substances. That if I can get the blood of that and the hair from that and the egg from that and put it all together, then something powerful can happen. But my faith is in a God who is within me, a mega God, who is bigger than any of these things. And the way that I make him bigger in my heart is put my faith in him. Unfortunately, many of us have a mega fear in our heart because that's what we've been feeding. What you feed grows. Come on on now. And people burn sage and stuff to try to get rid of spirits and stuff because they've been feeding fear. And so it's mega in their life. It's huge. It's huge in their heart. But worship is where we elevate Jesus. And we say, he's bigger than all that. He's bigger than every demonic spirit. He's bigger than my past. He's bigger than my mistakes. What if, what if you believe that God was bigger than your mistakes? So, it, 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 we, we like, like I said, we get into witchcraft, but we also get into perfectionism. And, and there's, a, there's a passage in Scripture uh, in the Old Testament where God is leading Moses, and Moses is leading the people out of Egypt, and it's this victorious moment. And there's this weird little commentary that God makes, and he says that, 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 that God would have led Moses the northern path through the desert, Uh, If you looked at a map, the way they came out of Egypt, they were starting to go north, and then they went south down to where the Red Sea is. But if they would have gone the northern path, they wouldn't have been down through the Red Sea, and they would have been able to go straight to the Promised Land. And so God mentions this strangely, just mentions it that God would have led him the northern path with three million people marching through the northern path. But the problem was there were there were there were residents in the north, like there were other cities and other countries there, and they're not going to be friendly to three million people just Walking into their land. And and so God says He would have led them that way, but they had never seen war. And if you're gonna march into someone else's land, you're gonna to have to fight. And so the idea many of us have got, and a lot of perfectionist preachers have, have preached from that passage, and they're like, Man, if you were just ready, then you could have stepped into what God had for you. And yet they missed the entire point. The point is that had they been ready for war, God would have led them that way. Which means he would not have brought them to the Red Sea. Which means he would not have split the Red Sea. Which means Pharaoh and his army would not have been crushed in the Red Sea. By the way, Pharaoh was coming whether they went north or southern way. (laughs) Which means they would have been overtaken by Pharaoh on the way. Which means they never would have got to Mount Sinai. Because Mount Sinai was along the southern way. By the way, Mount Sinai is where God made his covenant with them. And it's a special mountain. God wasn't just going to make his covenant on any particular mountain. There's a lot of history in Mount Sinai. And so so all of God's plans and purposes was hinging on the fact that they were not ready. I know it's getting quiet because you're like, wait, that is the exact opposite of everything I ever believed. What if God's plans and purposes hinge on your lack of readiness? What if his wisdom hinges on your ignorance? What if his value hinges on your feeling of lack of self-worth? What if his strength hinges on your weakness? What if his bigness hinges on your smallness? Not just that he uses it, but that he relies on you being imperfect so that he will show himself perfect. He relies on you having a broken past so that he will redeem it and show himself beautiful. Not only did he know it, but he, not only does he use it, but he planned for it. He planned for it. He, 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 he baked it into his, his, his miracle pie. One of the ingredients has got to be brokenness. Because anything else, if, 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 if a mega you steps up to a mega God, that's not going to work. So he's been waiting for you to get broken enough. Like that old Rich Mullins song I talked about on Wednesday night. Uh, uh, It's called Hard to Get. Uh, He says, you who live in eternity, hear the prayers of those of us who live in time. We can't see what's ahead and we cannot get free from what we've left behind. He says, I'm reeling from these voices that keep screaming in my ear all the words of shame and doubt, blame and regret I can't see how you're leading me unless you led me here, where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. <laughs> and so you've been here all along, I guess. It's just your ways are just plain hard to get. <laughs> His biggerness is not excluded by our smallerness. And so what I want to do, and I want to end the service today just by giving you some, some scriptures uh, for you to stand on. Um, and this is the list of scriptures. I think they're entitled truths, but um, this is some truth to fight the lies of the enemy. And I'd like for you to, uh, even just if you're taking notes, jot, jot down these, uh, these passages and then look them up and put them in sticky notes around your house or something or in your car or something. We, we have to stand, we have to make him bigger. And the way we make him bigger in our heart, we can't actually make him bigger. He's as big as he's ever going to be, but we can make him mega inside of us. And the way we do that is, is through his word. So actually, since we're getting ready to be dismissed, would you just stand with me? And can we just read these scriptures together? Can we just proclaim them as a body, as a church together? If you want the slides, I can send them to your whatever. Uh, you can write them down. But let's just declare these together. Psalm 34, 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's some good news right there. We're talking about peace. If you don't have peace, you need to read that passage of scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times have all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love it. John fourteen twenty seven. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jeremiah twenty nine twelve says, Then you will call on me, call on God, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. For every prayer, God's listening. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 41:13 says, "For I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your hand and says to you,Do not fear, I will help you. <laughs> Isaiah 54:10 says, "Though the mountains be shaken, and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Isaiah 54:17. one more slide. It says, no weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from him. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Psalm 103 verses 2 through 5 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits who forgives all your sins, heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Yeah, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for your promises. We choose to enlarge in you. We choose to lift you high in our hearts and in our minds. We choose to focus on your truth. We stand on your truth. You are uh, better. You are wiser. You are stronger and you are bigger. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah.